Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project. I am your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Super excited to be in another episode with you. Thank you for tuning in. We got a great guest for you. And I really think that this is going to be super valuable. Given the uh, times that we just came through, the old COVID-19, the coronavirus, uh, and what industries out there are thriving, this is one of them. So let's get Adrian, let's get his bio out. Let's just get him on the show. Cannot wait. Yeah, so... We have the one and only Adrian Brambilla with us today, and his bio goes a little something like this. I'm going to freeform this one today. Uh, basically, Adrian grew up in central Iowa and started off you know, in college, and then he went on to be a professional dancer with T-Pain, um, then got into the call center world and hated his life. He then got into internet marketing and has not looked back. Adrian is the owner of multiple companies and online brands. He lives in Hawaii with his wife and family. And we can't wait to hear the rest and have you fill in the rest of your story. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Hey, thank you for having me. This is my very first podcast that I can attribute the relationships to a quirky game called Spike Ball. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and a surprising fact, this is not our second person that is on the show because of the Spike Ball. So the last one was amazing. So we're expecting a lot out of you, brother. All right, big shoes to fill. Yeah, rep, repping that Spike Ball. But no, yeah, the, I mean, um, when I started getting into the world of internet marketing, um, it was after dance, I, uh, created my first YouTube channel. I didn't know it at the time, but when I was posting these videos online, um, it would eventually turn into my first online e-commerce store where I was teaching people how to dance and also selling dance apparel. Um, and that was 10 years ago. So Jeez. 10 years of doing internet marketing from starting a little side hustle when I was basically at a call center making 27 grand a year. And uh, then, you know, making your first dollar, $100, and then $1,000. And then what's crazy still blows my mind, especially right now, because I feel very fortunate and grateful to say this is right now, a lot of people are losing jobs. Um, a lot of people, you know, they, their main source of income comes from where they work. And I have um, dozens of income streams and brands. And um, right now, because people are home, they're buying stuff online. And so I have multiple brands. I'm spending you know, thousands of dollars a day in ads. And my businesses are like all-time highs and records uh, during this period, uh, which, is, which is insane. It, it makes me go back to like a book I read when I was 20 uh, called The 4-Hour Workweek that like first put this idea in my head that you could make a living from the internet. And now I feel like I could be in that book. Yeah. Like you basically just summed up the whole podcast. So that was it. Everyone, <laughs> if you, this is the value that we're, so let's try to unpack this because I feel like so many people are sitting there right now thinking like, I want to side hustle. I want to do something. What's the best way to make money? And Brian and I would, I, we would say to those people, stop trying to get the silver bullet start figuring out what you're passionate about. 
instead of thinking like, well, how do they make money or how do they make money? Like the point of all this is no, make money the way that God has uniquely gifted you. And so I want to draw back and really talk about, wait a second, you started dancing and I love the story. I know more than most, but you were not a dancer at the time. And so you start started thinking like, hey, I want to be a better dancer. How do I start unlocking, one, my passion, because I've always wanted to be a better dancer. And two, how do I make money with this passion? And you in line both of those. And not only that, have started a trajectory that is second to none, and you're passionate about it, which is so powerful. So where were you when you were like, one, I want to, I've always wanted to be a better dancer. And how did you correlate like, wait, maybe I can get paid for this? Yeah. When I went to, in Madison, Wisconsin, there was this break dance battle. It was the very first one. Um, I think I was 18 years old. I had never really danced before actually. And so when I went there, there was dudes spinning on their heads and backflips and like people doing body waves, you know, they look like they didn't have bones. And like, that to me was like, right. That's where you met Brian Dewhurst. (laughs) I met Brian. He was like so many head spins. (laughs) Um, like those people, like I was like, I didn't know was, uh, any of this stuff was possible. And like, that just blew my mind. So after that, I was, this was my freshman year in college and I was already tinkering around with trying to spend my time not drinking and trying to find things to do. So I tried guitar and all kinds of weird hobbies and clubs. Um, and the reason why I wanted, was we even looking for things not to do besides drinks because my parents, um, this is the biggest privilege and advantage I've had, especially my family story, my dad was an immigrant from Mexico and, gr- and grew up in poverty. He saved and his biggest goal in life was to get me through college and pay for mm-hmm. it. And that's what he did. So my freshman year when I was partying and drinking, wow. I, when I got back that first break semester and my dad asked me how college is, I felt really guilty, like almost basically lying, be like, oh, it's, I'm taking it seriously and stuff. So then when I, that second semester was like, that's it's kind of messed up what I'm doing. I feel like actually a lot of kids do this and they just don't realize like how severe it is. Yeah. Um, but that <laughs> second sure. semester, I was like, I was looking for stuff to do um, and dance. I saw that battle and then I, w- I got back and I was going on YouTube. I was looking at up dance tutorials and that's what I did. Like my friends knew me like as the guy who, when they would go to the gym, they would, st- they would see me in the gym, basically in this little you know, little square room with a mirror, like dancing and learning uh, how to dance. And then a very, so like dancing from 18, something definitely, I think I, I always refer to as like, this is a little God's miracle. This thing changed my life is after two years of dancing, T-Pain had an open call audition uh, to send a dance video to anyone, anyone in the world. T-Pain. I mean, I called um, him yesterday and T-Pain and I are tight. Not he's true. on the show. Yeah, he's coming up show next, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, he, he had this open call audition. I submitted a video and I, I made it to the live, uh, audition in Florida. And that to me was already a success. And then he was supposed to take one dance or he ended up taking 10. So like, I can say that experience changed my life because I got submersed into a world I'd never even knew existed. Um, T Payne's mm-hmm. actually quite the entrepreneur. He inspired me, I think, uh, to be like, uh, an entrepreneur today because there was a moment when we were on tour where it was a, we were performing at B96 Summer Bash in Chicago and he released a song right in front of our eyes. And then a matter of 10 minutes later, had a million downloads. So Jeez. I watched him make a million bucks wow. in like 10 minutes. And to me, I was like, okay, dancing is cool, but I got to learn how to do that. 
<laughs> no, that's a really good point because I think where those other 10 dancers were, the backup dancers, like that was the epitome of their career. Like they have made it and this is the career for them. And you were like, no, this is the scratched an itch of my passion. But there's more to this story, right? Like there's more that I can do and there's more I can give and, and, and serve others in, in a way. So love the story. Keep going, keep going. Great. Yeah, so when tour ended, it was my senior year in college, uh, second semester. Um, and I was in Iowa still. And if I wanted to be a professional dancer, I would have basically had to quit college and moved and go to LA. That's at least what everyone told me. But LA scared me. Dance was actually really fun. It was a hobby. It was passionate. Being a professional dancer, it sounds really awesome, but you're really dancing like 5% of the time. And 95% of the time you're in a, I guess I shouldn't make assumption across every artist, but you're in a treacherous environment, especially if you're someone like me who started dancing to not drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're, you have to have really strong, um, moral code and ethics because like if you want to drink and party at 9 a.m every day and do whatever like you can't you could yeah you could you could um so like the when i got done with tour i did i did not want to go to la i did not want to be a professional dancer but i i love dancing still and so i i mean dubuque's not the most happening happening place to be a pro dancer dubuque (laughs) iowa is not the hub of of hip-hop and (laughs) no I tried it, man. Um, <laughs> so YouTube was it. I created, I started creating dance tutorials online um, and posting dance videos. I would dance to trendy songs, uh, teach people how to arm wave. And um, the best way to put it, how the, how it went, my super excited energy. And I thinking like I was a hot shot because I didn't pain It flopped miserably. <laughs> I thought I was going to graduate and already have some six figure business and like just be traveling the world. Like, heck no, man. First six months, I think I had like 10 subscribers. And the only person I watched was my mom out of those 10. Shout out to your mom though. Shout super, out. Super, <laughs> super fan. Super fan still to this day. And uh, then um, I had- What do you think job. that was? Yeah. What, do you, what do you think that was? Just not enough history or, or what, what was that? I think the, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, YouTube, creating a business on Instagram, Facebook, all these things- they're easy to access for us. So it, it seems like anyone can do it, mm-hmm. but you, there is real strategy. There are real tactics and there's real, uh, there's a real learning curve. If you want to take it from, I'm someone who's post or consumed YouTube to be a content creator on YouTube. And that's different from being and monetizing and actually having a business on YouTube. So mm-hmm. all these things, I don't know. I'm just passionate. I just want to post videos and I have this naive expectation that I keep posting. People will show up. But that frustration, you know, the, you know, quality questions you ask determines, you know, quality of your life you have. So asking the question, like how to get people besides my mom to watch my YouTube videos. I love my mom, but I got to get other people. It's like that leads you to a path of exploration of how does ranking on a search engine for YouTube work? Um, Mm -hmm. How do you you grow a following? Um, And then after a year and a half, and by at this, after six months, I, this is where I got my job at the call center because I had to pay bills and I was graduated, but I was working on my YouTube basically uh, business. Um, and now after a year and a half, I had, I think probably around in between 10 to 20,000 followers. Um, but I still wasn't making any money. Mm-hmm. And so that was very frustrating. Uh, but then the question I asked was like, how do I monetize this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually 
my subscriber t- gave me the idea. Uh, one of my subscribers, they, they said, Adrian, I really love your tutorials, but can you make something that's more like, you know, in depth? I like, I like you're teaching all these little moves, but I want something more in depth. I was like, okay, I'll try it. So I created my very first own digital products for different 60 minute videos um, at $25 a pop. And then when I launched that and I posted, and I already had 20,000 followers, a few emails, um, I made a thousand dollars in that, mm. in that month when I launched it. Yeah. And so that to me was like a massive moment. For sure. Absolutely. Come on, Brian. I feel like I'm monopolizing this. So <laughs> I can't, I just, I have so many well, questions. By the I way. think the thing that I've learned from our short time together, Adrian, is that you just don't quit, you know? And I think that I heard this uh, Japanese proverb once. I don't know if this is true or not, but some mentor of mine told me this. And he said, the Japanese are committed to a business for seven years and they will reinvest profits for seven years before they take a dime out of that business. Wow. And I don't think it took you that long, but you have that tenacity to like see things through. And I think a lot of us, you know, we dip one toe in the water and we want all the reward and it just doesn't work that way, you know, and you experience that. Um, And so I think that's for me, a big part of your story. So you're in this call center you know, you've kind of like come back to reality. I, I got to have cash and you're, you're messing around online. And I wouldn't say messing around because you're very focused. You're building, you know, 20,000 subscribers, followers is a lot. Walk our listener through kind of that, that ramp to, to where you are now of like really figuring these platforms out and really driving the content that people want. If you can just kind of keep going on that, because I think that's, huge for most people is they just quit and you right. didn't quit. Yeah, definitely. What, what's funny is that month, so this, after a year and a half of doing this and, and not making money, I thought I was supposed to make money, but I never bothered to ask, how do I make money? And so that subscriber told me the answer. A lot of people are very passionate. I, I get you know, probably 500 messages a day across my social media platforms. I'm actually blown up on TikTok uh, recently, gone viral a few times. So like these messages are flooding in and everyone has so passionate, uh, but they don't, uh, and, and people should use that passion. But a fundamental question when you create a business, <laughs> people forget to ask, how do you make money? I didn't ask that question in my first business. So it took me a year and a half. I think if I would have tried to explore that, I would have probably been able to monetize in the first month because um, I would have an offer in place. Now, I even if you know the answer, the strategy I did, I didn't know I was doing it right, but creating value online through content is a sweat equity way where that doesn't require a lot of capital to build a brand and business. And that's what I was doing. So I got lucky in guessing that strategy at the beginning. But after I made that first $1,000, um, and and again, my at working at the call center, a thousand dollars is still a lot of money uh, to me today. But back then it was like a massive amount. So the next question I asked was like, how do I do this full time? And that led me on the exploration, I think, where I learned what I consider a a modern day superpower today, which is learning how to sell online through paid ads. Um, Because in college Mm -hmm. and before people always would tell me uh, that if you know how to sell, you'll always have a job. But I think Mm -hmm. today, if you know how to sell online, you'll never need a job Mm. because it's that much of a superpower where today I'm going to spend between $1,000 and $2,000 in ads across Facebook, Google, and YouTube uh, and Instagram. 
And these ads are selling while I'm sleeping, while I'm on this podcast right now across def- different uh, niches. Again, I would not, I'm not going to lose a thousand, two thousand dollars because both these campaigns have scaled up over the last a few years. So there's programmatic elements that say like, if a sale doesn't come in by the time I spend this much, that ad goes off. If it does, if it is bringing leads at a, at a more efficient cost, then I'm going to ramp up the budget. So I'm leveraging this automation technology, which is so freaky and a superpower because here I am uh, speaking with you guys. So that, that is, um, that's, that exists. The four hour work week, that book planted the idea in my head that it's possible. And then when I got that first thousand dollars through basically creating organic content, building following, trying to scale, which in other words is trying to run an ad. Someone basically searches and that, and that with, for my dance business, someone would go on, on YouTube or Google say, how do I dance the robot? So I was running an ad on that keyword or search phrase. This person has no idea who I am, but they see my ad, they click on my ad, they read my page, they learn a little about me, they like that I'm goofy, and they say, I would like this product, here's $25. So I was trying to do that. And it took I me love, two I, years. I yeah. absolutely love that it's the robot and the dance thing. Because I think there's <laughs> yeah. some people that are listening to this is like, man, I can't do, but, but, but you know, fill in the blank. But the yeah. fact that you're dancing to a robot and making it work is so powerful. It's a proof of concept, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you've proven. And so what I'm hearing from you, and this is why I wanted to get you on the show, is one, it takes passion. Then it takes a strategic way and it takes practice. Like you never would have got to where you are today without practicing. And in that small little room and all your friends are walking by watching you practice dancing, then it's trial and error, right? Like it's benefits and risks. Which one is smart? Which one is not? And you're doing this constantly with every little avenue of this whole path that you've talked about. All three of those, by the way. Uh, And so it's great to me to not only, you don't have to be perfect, but the cool thing is in the cheat code of life, Brian and I always say this on the show is mentorship right? Mm-hmm. Getting with somebody who's already screwed up so they can speed you through this process. And now you take other people through this as fast as they humanly possibly can and get them to a place where they can be sitting where you are on a podcast or sleeping and making money. Something really cool, and it's scaling my mind, and I, I think Brian as well, is just automating or downloading the stuff in your head so people can consume it without you talking about mm-hmm. it. It's yeah. already done. The hard work is, it is hard for the record. Mm-hmm. But once it's done, people can consume it. Mm-hmm. Tell me how that process was for you. And it seems like it was more natural. For me, that is not natural. <laughs> I don't know if that is something I'm supposed to admit, but it's just not natural. Like every time I think I'm supposed to sell something, I'm supposed to be some face-to-face, honestly. So yeah. Yeah, that's, me. no, I mean, I mean, it's, it's crazy like a, um, a lot of people make decisions online and big decisions, buying decisions. Um, I think we all do. Uh, so, so I think some things can't be sold completely online, but you can drive interest and have someone say, I'm interested in working with you guys, but I need to talk to you guys first. But the online, I think the, that that's definitely a massive opportunity for every single business right now, especially during COVID like businesses that like knew they probably should have done something online and never did. Like they're, there's, they're the ones that are going to hurt the most or not be around anymore. And the companies that innovate and 
And even if they're a brick and mortar store, but innovate in some way to be online, that that's where the opportunity is. Um, that's why I feel so fortunate that I, I knew about this. Um, you mentioned something about mentorship. I do want to touch on that before I answer your question. Yeah. And um, so a couple of years later, I had left the call center and I was working at a marketing agency in Iowa. And I was able to grow my dance, just my dance business. And um, I worked on my second brand, which is like an, now selling dance products like sweatpants and hoodies and stuff. Um, and that I think my total income together at that point, a couple of years later, was like around three thousand, four thousand dollars a month. And um, can I just speak of that? Is that yeah. over the advertising costs that you were paying? Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm talking profit. Okay. So I was probably selling my my cost was probably, uh, or my total gross was probably around like five or six thousand um, minus minus my cost. I usually talk profit because today I, on my TikTok and all my content, I post a dashboard. So yeah. like that's one of the first people questions people ask like, what's your profit though? What's your profit though? Cause that, yeah. there are some snaky people out there who will like yeah. post their gross numbers and really they yep. are actually didn't make a dime. Um, but yeah, great question. Um, so a couple of years after that, I, I ran into, I, I was seeing ads of this guy online who actually was in Cedar Rapids and I was in Cedar Rapids. Um, and his ads, I, we were actually like quasi friends and, uh, he was, he had an online business and uh, it looked by his like persona and his ads that he was crushing it. Like he had a a million dollar company, but no one knew about it. And I I thought I was so skeptical. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I need to meet, I want to meet this guy. Uh, After I met him and he showed me his stuff and I was like, in the most professional way, I was like, I was so curious, like, is, could this guy really be doing that numbers? Cause I'm, I was like, now my, I've been working on my YouTube dance business and I could not get past, you know, 4,000 a month and like, uh, to, to, to scale, I just could not do it. And I didn't know what I was doing wrong. I thought, am I at the max? I rank everywhere. Number one for robot. I think the niches are so tiny. So I met this guy and he's actually showed me like he, even though he wasn't necessarily a mentor, he was someone that was doing it. And he put the belief in me, like, holy crap, this guy, my age, he has a seven figure e-commerce company and he's doing it all by himself. Plus, you know, virtual assistants. And like, he's some, he's the first person I've met that could be in the four hour work week book. And uh, that guy actually is now a best friend of mine. I'm, I'm getting him, I'm, I'm marrying him and his wife, um, this year oh, actually. Wow. So nice. Um, but, but like, so that, I think that's another moment. Cause like T-Pain that when he, when he released that song um, and he had that million downloads, it makes sense because it's, he's T-Pain. He has this massive audience. He's all over the radio, but, and that's really hard to relate when you're starting out. It's like, well, I'm not T-Pain. I'm not famous. I don't make music. How am I supposed to ever do that? Mm-hmm. So when I met this guy in Iowa, who's, um, it, it was like, he did this. I can do this too. It's possible. And it got over like a lot of mental barriers and gave me encouragement. Now it doesn't mean I, the next day I was able to do it, but I had, I was now working with the belief, which I think is a big mindset that uh, people uh, lose track of. And so like your point about getting mentorship, uh, mentorship or finding other people that are trying to do what you do, but are, are doing at a much higher scale and level, man, try to have those conversations with those people. And they may not tell you something like a specific tactic, but just by having a conversation and listening to how they talk, what they're doing, what's their day like, I learned a lot just by being around him. So good. So good. So you talk about, you know, spending money to then get leads. My question to you is like, is there ever a diminishing margin of return? 
where you're spending 17, let's say 20 grand a day and -hmm. you're making 20 or 30,000, right? Uh, A day. I don't know. Whatever the thing. Is there ever a point where like, oh, you could spend $2 million a day if you wanted to make 3 million? You know, like when is it is like, okay, you haven't talked to me. (laughs) Great question. I can say that I have never reached that point yet of where I'm spending the most I can and I'm getting the most out of it. But I imagine if that day comes, I, don't, I imagine there's a lot, a lot of businesses, only like the biggest brands in the world are maxing out online ads. And because they've maxed it out, now they're going over to TV and traditional where it's more about just top of mind. But for a small e-commerce store, for a small side hustle, whether you're selling candles, um, whether you are have a coaching business, financial advice, whatever it is, I'm going to talk about two specific tactics that people can actually walk away with. One of them is my, um, I call it the 100 QC test. I talk about it in my courses and stuff. It's basically the t- a way that you can validate any idea, any product, any service, online, offline. And the concept is to get 100 qualified people to your landing page where you are presenting your offer. The offer doesn't mean take out your wallet and buy. The offer could be fill out a form, fill out a survey, fill out, sign up for an email. Um, but whatever the offer is, you're trying to get 100 people to this page. And if 100, out of those 100 qualified people, not just anybody, qualified, if they don't take the action, then you're way off. The product's bad. The price is wrong. Something is just way off and you need to revamp. But if you can get at least one or two people to basically buy it, sign up, here's my email and phone number, give me a call, then you are on the right track to scale something and invest more. So it's a way to test any idea. And what's crazy is technology today, it's never been easier to target exactly who you want and every single niche or service. Facebook, we're all on Facebook or social media. Google, literally people still go to Google and say, I'm looking for a financial advisor. I am looking to buy a leather sofa. I, they're literally saying what they want to buy and you can run an ad on that. So the technology, it's never been easier. Now it's just about, is your offer uh, the right way? And then another way, uh, this is more of a philosophy on you running know, out of ads. Out those 100 uh, go ahead. QC test, how many should have bought those? I'm sorry, I just want to go over that quick. I'd say at a bare minimum, one person needs to convert. Two people to convert, it would mean that you're you're on the right track. And um, basically, so I'm I'm... Every day I run, I launch around 20 new campaigns. I'm a massive um, affiliate marketer and I have, it's not just me. I have a full-time four people. And uh, so we're launching these campaigns every single day. And so we're running a lot of 100 QC tests and the cost to test that idea probably costs, you know, if every click costs a dollar, it's going to cost me a hundred dollars to know if this has, has legs or not. Um, But yeah, Mm -hmm. out of the, out of those 100 people drive in, at least one or two people should take the action. So if you get five people that take up, take you up on that winner, winner, chicken dinner, Yahtzee. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Now, the other point you mentioned is like, what about the profit? What about the profit and the money? And I think at the beginning, it's, you know, it's hard to hit a home run on day one, week one. But so at the beginning, I'm just, you're just trying to measure, does it have legs? Then it goes to when you, when you start scaling it, you, you have to measure your ROI. You want to know how much money is coming in, how much you're getting out. But the one thing I'll mention, this is a philosophy that I run. I'm super aggressive. All my businesses are based off a value ladder system. I'm running an ad for them to basically take out their wallet and buy, which is the biggest action of trust online. Mm-hmm. And if they can do that, 
I don't care. I'm actually trying to just break even. That's how aggressive I am. I'm spending to get new people. If they break even on the first sale, that is success in my mind, because I know through the back end of my businesses, they're going to get the, they might buy again, or they're going to upsell, or they're going to get the high ticket uh, along the road. So a lot of businesses are trying to make a profit on the first sale. But if you're planning on being in business for the next five, 10 years, your goal, your mindset should be try to run ads, get, get customers, and your profit comes from the second, third, fourth sale if you have a good business. Yeah, I want to touch on this right now. So we've been talking a lot on the podcast about the value ladder. Uh, we actually have a free download for you from our website if you want to know more about that. Uh, www.uncommonwealth.com backslash gifts. Uh, it's seven ways to launch a business or seven steps to launch a business. The value ladder is in there. Uh, highly recommend that we're approaching our business that way. And a lot of our business owner clients, we're imploring them to develop one immediately. So can't echo that enough. I totally agree with you. And I think I, we've wanted to have someone on like yourself uh, that's having success online, YouTube, e-commerce, all these things. But there's a lot of bad and savory people in this business. And I think you're like a brush, uh, breath of fresh air where you're not saying you want to upsell someone just to sell them something else, but like you are creating quality products. You have character, morals, ethics, and you're doing real valuable business and giving real tangible information because you've done it. You've paved the path, you've paid the price, you've stayed in it. And so that's how we're approaching our business too. And it's, it's fascinating to me is because like we have to figure this out as business owners and entrepreneurs and, and COVID-19 to me is like proof of that. And we're trying to finish our book right now, our first book, which will be one of our main, you know, first uh, products that we're actually going to sell and not give away. And this is very complicated, you know, digitizing your business or productizing your different uh, business into different packages so that people can get to know you, but you're not just giving everything away for free. It is very complicated. And I think you lay it out in a really um, natural and easy way to like grab onto. So I'm going to like cut to the end. We don't have to end this, but you have an online course that you're kind of promoting on this podcast. And I actually took it. I went through the whole thing and it's brilliant. Was it about how to pop and lock? Please say yes. Please say yes. <laughs> I definitely need more dance moves. If, uh, if any of you have seen me dance, you know that's true. So, uh, but no, this is an online course to kind of help you go from zero to 60 of like, how do I make money online? What are the main ways? What would be a good fit for me? What's the risk? You really lay it out in a really approachable way. It's so easy to understand. And I think, as someone like Philip and I, and he kind of alluded to it, you know, we've approached our business more from the traditional sense as financial advisors. And now we're trying to shift into kind of this digital age and this value ladder. And I was just like, it's such a big pool to learn, you know, and it's such a, it's complicated if you don't really understand the technology and you're short on time. And so can you walk listeners through kind of like what you the one thing in the course you kind of talk about is how you went from and what you use for most of your businesses, how you went from like blogging to affiliate and kind of how you start stacking that into actual monetization of a passion or a niche. Um, I just thought that was really brilliant. Yeah, definitely. So right now, if you want to start a side hustle, everyone has different situations. Some may have some cash that they can invest. That's great. That means you can run ads and get results faster. Although I would admit, if you're just starting out, if you're going to run ads for the first time, you're probably going to lose it all. Then the other way is to create content organically. And this is 
I think the entry point for so many people, because if you have an extra hour every single day and you want to start to build a side hustle, you can actually invest that hour into creating content for a niche, fly fishing, chess, whatever, and start building a brand that years from now, if you're consistent, could be the number one dominator in a niche. And you can do that with just your time in creating content. Content is video, it's it's blogging, it's email, it's social media posts, it's photos. It's such a low... Uh, uh, point of risk uh, to do if you if you want to try a side hustle. So I think you know every side hustle and every stream of revenue is completely different. If you ask the question, how do you make money from this? You know, if you're dominating a niche, uh, people a lot of people try to gravitate towards sponsorships and endorsements. That is super valid, but you need an audience, and the audience is not going to come for a long. That's a long term play. If you want a short term play then start building an audience, build an email list. Once you have a thousand emails, I'm, I don't know why fly fishing came apart, but let's say you've got 1000 fly fishers, like you, that's enough people where you could send one email and promote a new rod or, 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 or back fishing backpack or whatever pants. Um, and you can send an email to those people and they could potentially, if you're doing a good job and they trust you, they'll go and they'll buy that product and an affiliate uh, they could use an affiliate link, which is basically a way to be a hundred percent commission sales woman or man for this backpack. And uh, let's say out of the a thousand people, a hundred people click, and then five people buy. It's a hundred dollar backpack, and you make ten dollars, ten percent commission on the backpack. So one email, you just made fifty bucks. And imagine you have an email every day or or once a week. Then that's where your numbers start to stack up. But it goes back to how do you get started? Well, the easiest way thing you could do is build a, build a blog, build a website and start creating content. There's, there's different strategies and tactics and you know, that you can spend hours learning online, but all, all I, I try to measure and care about is making daily progress. So start with one blog a day. If that's too much, start with one blog every two days and you basically start compounding this library. Um, and before you even get to a point of scaling, like this is exactly how I built my first YouTube business. I just was focused. I was, I was creating two tutorials every single day. Today, I have over 300 tutorials. People, I think I still teach around like five to 10,000 people a day how to dance. Jeez. Now it's, it's, un- it's unfortunate for these people because they're learning from a 22 year old Adrian. And then they're like, oh man, this guy's all old now. But all that content that compounded over time, if you still search how to dance the robot online, I still have the number one site. Um, my, my sales are way down because I don't focus anymore, but still brings in like around a thousand dollars passively. Um, and that's the power of content that delivers value. That's evergreen. It's on the internet forever until another dancer comes and takes me out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thanks. So I want to ask you this quick. Let's say, I think I have two things here. One, I want to go back to, you said the hundred, uh, QC tests, and then you had another idea. So I want you to remember that. But let's say like, and I'm speaking specifically for Uncommonwealth and Brian and I, we have, I can't even tell you how many articles, brother, a lot, blogs that I don't know if anybody has ever read for the record, <laughs> maybe three people and my mother and Brian's mother is one of them. So whoever that other one is, Shout uh, out. what would you say to us? Like we've got, we got content for days, brother. Now we're probably not going to be able to shoot videos as fast as like every day, to be honest. But I think we have a pretty good like we're there with blogs. That's awesome. Um, this right here is a specific takeaway for everyone that has a business, because even large businesses do not have this. And um, it's not that content goes to waste, but the most powerful thing online is scale. We're running ads. What your content does is it drives people. 
But in order to scale and take it to the next level, you have to have infrastructure. Mm. Every single platform online and search engine has a base code that allows the people on your website to uh, collect data. So this code, completely free, and it needs to be installed on every single page of your website. I actually had a uh, a friend of mine who sent me a text this morning. He has a solar company and he says, Hey, I'm running ads uh, on Facebook. I'm, I spent, I have a $15 a day budget and I'm trying to get leads for uh, my solar company and it's not working. He's a friend of mine. And I was like, okay, let me check it out. I went to his website and he didn't have any codes of for Facebook or anything. I mean, he has Google analytics, but Google analytics doesn't collect data in the way you need it to scale. And so after talking to him, I, ba- I basically uh, told him, I was like, you got to go back to the beginning and set up the infrastructure. And then when, you, when people hit that landing page, that data can basically compound and that's going to be your biggest tool to, to go out and scale. So you can still create right now. I obviously, I don't know if you guys have that uh, infrastructure. You guys need to set that up. So it starts collecting that data. And then when you're ready to launch an ad, you have you know, 10,000 data points of people who've already been consuming 10, you know, read one blog, 10 blogs who are fans of you, listen to your podcast. And now you have your first offer, that book. And they're all ready. They, they're waiting for you to, to make an offer. And that audience has, has been built. It's like having an email list, but uh, without a cap on it, you can reach as many people that are qualified. So that is a specific technical advice. Go to your website right now if you have one and see if, if you have all the infrastructure. Google has one. LinkedIn, LinkedIn has infrastructure. Facebook has one. Ask those questions because just by having that, installing it today, that means every day moving forward, that data is starting to build. And, and so once you get that data and you get a good capture of kind of the demographics that are coming in, then that's when you can launch a very specific email or like, let's say marketing thing to those people outside of the network, right? So it's just like a picture of like, who's really uh, conceptually eating my data or, or taking in my content mm-hmm. and then taking that and then going out and be specific on who you market to. Am I right on that or am yeah. I crazy? Okay. No, that's, that's spot on. I think the very fundamental marketing campaign that should always be running is called a retargeting campaign. So everyone, anyone that's been to your website in the last 30 days, you should always have an ad running towards those people because they just visited your website. They're top of mind and you can present them with an offer or at a minimum collect their email so then you can capture the lead. It's mm-hmm. easier to do that. than ver- It's always easier to do that. And it's always way more cost effective than to try to convert someone who has no idea who you are. Why not mm-hmm. just, go- you, you probably have, a, you're sitting on a massive data pile of people that have already watched your blog. You just haven't presented an offer in a way um, that they can take action on it yet. That's true. That's true. That's good. That's good. The other thing I think, you know, we're, things just progress so quickly. And I think sometimes, you know, we're taught as business owners or you hear just, oh, we got to spend money on marketing. But this is a deeper, what we're talking about is much deeper than marketing. It's really like the next generation. And even I think our parents, you know, uh, our moms are consuming our content online. And, but this is like how people are learning. This is this is a deeper thing than just buying and selling. Like people are educating themselves in a new way. And if you as a business aren't creating content to educate the people that could potentially be customers, you're missing just a ton of opportunity. Uh, would you agree with that or kind of shed light on that? What your thought is? Yeah, it's, you know, the shift towards data-driven algorithmic 
marketing is a shift that happened really fast. And so traditional marketing agencies that could just place the stuff on billboards and TVs, a lot of them, instead of taking the time to learn or hiring, paying people the right talent to do it, um, they basically didn't want to go out of business. So then they started offering services that, that they don't know how to do. Um, and a lot of businesses that don't understand digital, instead of taking the time to truly test and learn, they just write it off and they're missing out on a massive opportunity right now, specifically TikTok. as, as much as people want to joke about it, I'm, I've now, I just passed a hundred thousand followers, uh, yesterday and I've created business content and I've gotten high ticket leads. I just had my first, uh, coaching, uh, lead from TikTok. And it's $2,000 a month. And then I've had one marketing agency client come. That's $5,000 a month. They're, they're, they're a vegan uh, supplement. And, and then uh, I, now I'm promoting a course on there and I've probably sold over $30,000 from TikTok. And Jeez. so, and so like I could have done the same thing like everyone else right now because it sounds, you know, TikTok's a bunch of girls and crop tops dancing. No, I, I'm, I tested and tried. And if it didn't work, at least I would say I tried it all and it doesn't work. And that's what a lot of people, businesses do. They, they don't really test it and try and they just write it off where they're, and they're missing out on these massive opportunities because internet, I have never come across any niche where online marketing does not work. And I have done uh, wow. marketing uh, through my agency, like trucking insurance. I've done like, and I, I'm in the, most of my clients are credit unions. Um, and so the financial niche um, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of red tape, I've done marketing for lawyers. And of course, fun ones too, where they do make sense, like, you know, food products and, and stuff, but like every single business, uh, can make it work if you, if you test, or as long as you can say you tried and it didn't work, then at least you can say that, but don't just write it off. You know, well, one of the other things that I think is important to touch on, cause a lot of people hear this stuff, Adrian, and they're like, well, you know, I don't want to be in front of people. I don't want to have to make a video every day. I don't, I'm not wired the way you are. This won't work for me. Could you shed light on the fact that a lot of some of these companies that you own, like no one would even know that you own it or that you're affiliated with it and you've set it up to to be that way. Can you walk our listeners through how that kind of works or what that opportunity is like? Yeah, so online you can create a personal brand. That's basically what I've been doing now recently uh, in business for the last six months. Or you can create a brand that's really not, it's not a personal brand. It's, it's an actual brand you can create. Like you can create a blog on Uncommonwealth like you, you guys made the conscious decision that you guys are the faces of uncommon wealth, but uncommon wealth, you guys could have easily created this blog and created this content without being, uh, your faces on it. Let's say, it, you know, it could be this massive, um, Movement financial. Or... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A news of financial news media. That's definitely a route. It could still be that way. You guys could pivot. So the, the internet allows you to, to create a brand. It does not have to be personal. Now I've even had people say like, well, I want to be a YouTuber, but I don't like being on camera. You could still be a YouTuber. There's so many YouTube accounts that do product reviews or that do like compilation reviews um, or like even the guy who makes those funny lip sync videos where they take like NFL players and they lip sync him. His face isn't on the videos and that's a massive channel. So you don't have to be a face on it if you don't want to. Yeah, I think that's a huge point. Um, You know, we run into that as we're working or coaching with entrepreneurs and they're just like, Oh, well, that wouldn't work for me. And they kind of just close their mind off totally to it. And I'm just like, you don't have to do it that way. And to close yourself off to the internet is a huge mistake. in in my opinion, 
especially with what we just went through with COVID-19. I mean, I was kind of in this last several weeks. I was just like, oh my gosh, how much, how much more I wish we would have invested on the front end, you know, to have four or five more digital products right now. Um, you know, just to reach more people and help more people too. And I think that's where you're at. You're getting so much feedback of like, wow, I need this and I need it right now. How do I go from zero to 60? So can we talk about your course a little bit or, you know, whatever you want to talk about? I, I kind of mentioned it, but I just think it's the way you laid out the course was just so approachable to like entrepreneurs, business owners, or people kind of looking to get into uh, business. It's a very easy way to get started without having to like, you know, like you're not launching a franchise or something like that. It's very, very step-by-step. Step. Yeah. I um, wanted to create a course that's like the the best intro for someone who has the passion, has a little bit of time or a little bit of money and wants to get started, but they don't know which one to do. Maybe they've done some research and they looked up like, hey, how do you create a store on Etsy? Or what's this Amazon FBA thing? Um, or something more more difficult like drop shipping or affiliate marketing. So it actually walks through my personal top 10 uh, legitimate side hustles. I can say I've tried them all. They're legit. I'll mention right now, there's a lot of side hustles out there. Um, and there's a lot that I avoid personally too. Uh, and I talk about this in my course, a, a way to measure and basically like a almost like a, a gut or personality quiz if this is the right one for you. Because like my wife, she talks about how MLMs, multi-level marketing, uh, those companies that basically recruit, you recruit people and you build underneath you and you oh, sell. We know about weird... them. We know about yeah. them here at Uncommonwealth. Oh, you do? I can't wait to hear what your wife thinks about them. Keep going. Well, oh gosh, hopefully I'm not. No, she was saying is that like it works, for example, is this one that she went to a party. She didn't know it was an it works party. And so she was like blinded by it, showed up. And then she was like explaining how they basically put this plastic wrap on her stomach and after 15 minutes she would lose weight or something oh, and like it's those trickery things like that that i just don't think are good if you have to sell your family and friends you don't have a real business and that's what a lot of mlms do i oh, talk about like there's a lot of sickening i'm told it is. wife it makes me want to vomit and there's it's other like, people that like them like i don't know who mm. else would like them on this call no. but <laughs> no so I, I so i talk about like how to measure so you avoid things like that and and you don't yes. get trapped um, or Don't like do cryptocurrency day trading, you know, I could go off of all these bad things, but, um, yes. so, but, but like people like the, the sucky thing is people don't peep. There's a lot of dark people on the, on the internet that will like sell you on your hopes and dreams. And then you, you try something that's just so risky. Um, so, so it's a walkthrough of that. And basically out of the 10 side hustles, six of them, you don't need any money to get started. Um, it, you just need time. You need, uh, if you're putting in your sweat, sweat equity. And then if you do have some cash, there's, there's, uh, out of the four, there's four of them where like you could start learning how to run ads and build, um, or, or scale. And there's like, it, like to sell on Amazon, for example, that's the most expensive one that I teach or just give an intro to is like Amazon. You need to buy a bulk amount of inventory of product. Now there's a whole process to figure out what to put on Amazon and things like that, but that costs money. You can't get around that. You have to buy it. Um, so, um, but so a lot of people, some people don't have that money, so they, that's not the best one to start, but it basically gives a good variety. Um, but yeah, I, what's funny is I, I, you know, I do marketing for, for clients and stuff. And when I was starting to run ads and scale my, my side hustles, a lot of it was just based to learn better and get better at ads. So when my, I do it for clients, I know I, I don't screw it up. Um, and, and now 
uh, I'm, it's like, I feel like a mad scientist. I've tried all these things and I'm running and I didn't know it could scale to this big and I don't know how much bigger it, it can get, but I think it's, uh, it's just crazy. Um, having a record month right now. So, um, it's just insane. The, op- the opportunity is there for anyone who has a time or a little cash or one or the other to get started. There's definitely good ways you can spend your time. If you don't want to be just binging through Netflix during quarantine this whole time. So yeah. cool. So Adrian, how do our listeners uh, hear more about you or, or reach out to you? What, what's your contact information? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, AdrianBrainBillo.com is my uh, personal brand website. And if um, I, there's links in there for everything, my mini courses, social media links. Uh, um, right now I'm probably posting the most on TikTok and Instagram. And then my agency link is uh, on there too. But that, that'd be the place for free to reach out for any questions, tips. Um, I, don't, I won't respond immediately, but I will respond to every email. I try to make that effort at least. Yeah. And we're going to have in the show notes of this, the link to the course that we talked about. And I truly encourage you, if you are an entrepreneur, business owner, or thinking, you know, how do I make money from something I'm passionate about? I highly encourage you to take this course. Uh, I took it, I took the whole thing. It was invaluable, uh, well worth the money. And uh, I think you're going to be refreshed by Adrian's just personality uh, and uh, acumen. Uh, he's put in the work. And so um, thank you so much, Adrian, for being part of the show and sharing your perspective and your, um, you know, just the effort you've put in over the last decade. It definitely comes through. And uh, I definitely want to have you on the show again. Cool. I would love to. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adrian. Appreciate it, man. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.